take out your notebooks, your pencils, your your crayons. <laughs> because today we're going to learn. And not that we haven't been learning, but this message is not um, a feel-good message, a feel-bad message. It's not a feely message. It's a thinking message. Today we're going to give you the tools. And I say we because it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that uses us as vessels to be able to relay the message to you. So as believers, we believe that you're not looking at the person who is giving the message, but you're, you're paying attention to where the message is coming from. Amen. Pastor had asked us to um, embark in this season on evangelism and to focus on evangelism for this society. So what that implies is that things are different than they were in yesterday's society and that they're pretty much going to be different in tomorrow's society as well. But for today's society, we need to focus. And we've been talking about, you know, and the anxiety that we've also had about going to our new place. And I truly believe that God is not going to move us until he really deems us ready. And he has been actually getting us ready step by step. So I want you to um, amuse me a little bit. And um, let's, let's go and reflect as what has been the, God's message the last couple of weeks. Or actually, the last couple of months. Because we need to, to see a pattern, right? At first, when God called me to do this, I couldn't even understand. I kept on asking him, you know, what exactly is the message that you want to, your people to hear? And then I, I listened to uh, Minister Tony, and I was paying attention to Minister Belinda, Mr. Alan Liz, and, and all the messengers that kept on coming. And, and something told me in my spirit, or at least I thought it was in my spirit, that it was a call for action. So I was ready. I was studying on the call for action. Okay, I'm getting ready. I'm going to um, uh, embark on something, and, and we're going to launch this, and we're going to come out here, and today we're going to be moving around, and, and some of you are going to get on the list to go and paint, and the others are going to get on the list to go and get souls, and... But that's not what God told me this week. A couple of days ago, he says, you know, throw away all your books and all that. That's great. But throw all that away because that's not what I'm talking about. How many of you know that God's timing is perfect? And so after all the studying, because those of you that know me, you know, one thing I try to be is obedient. And I go into studying. I have to start like all over again. Today's message is, is more about what tools do we need to focus on the people that God is calling us to go after. There are specific tools. And we pretty much have been missing it. For the last several um, years, we've made a lot of attempts on evangelism um, strategies. We've gone out there and we've done a lot of great work and a lot of effort and money has gone out 
into this effort because we are all called, and I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. We are all called to go out and evangelize in different ways because we've been seeing that in different ways. We God has given us each a gift and a talent and, and a way in which we can. Some people are, are used to call a massive uh, com- community. Other people are called to minister one-on-one. So we're all called to do it differently, but we're all called. Um, However, when we go out there, only one, we're very lucky. Not that that God, because God shows us that he goes after that one. He'll leave the 99, and he'll go after that one. But I know that there are more than one souls out there. So I keep on asking, like, why only one? After all the stuff we do, why only one? One or two. Okay? So let's look. Today we're going to learn some of the things that God has been showing me. So through, through Minister Tony, um, we, we learn what's happening when the church displays community. Um, He spoke spoke to us, God spoke to us about believers being the salt and the light. That the church is also bringing spirituality out to the community and really drawing the community in. Through Minister Al and Liz, and Minister Liz, God's light in our community is what we wanted, what the message was. And, 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 and we drew a picture of the word community that actually displays coming together in, com- in a commonality, but also being that one individual who brings and also is part of the whole. With Pastor Odenis, we also learned that going into the desert is not so bad because God is with us. Right? God is with us. And that we should welcome and, and take on the challenges at, of the desert because that's where we grow and we get strong and we get strategy. But never to forget that through that desert, God is with us. Minister Belinda took us on a journey to recognizing that how it felt to be a fish out of water. And we know that God created us in his image. And so if we're not acting or, or displaying or, or feeling like we are close to his image, we're like a fish out of water. When we do not have Christ in our life, we are lost. But today's message is God is speaking on how to deliver his message of the gospel. And so we're going to be exploring some tools But let's start to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We humbly come to you, Heavenly Father, and we ask that. In the name of Jesus, you open our hearts and our ears, Lord God. That while there may not be ears that we hear at times, Lord God, there's a heart that is willing. And we thank you for that heart that is willing. But we also know through your word, Lord, that intentions by itself has has no value we have to take action with that intent so help us lord god to move in the intent that you put in our hearts heavenly father today um 
make me disappear and let your word come forth and let the Holy Spirit take over. I know I have my notes and my teaching, but Lord, you're the main teacher and the main messenger, Lord God. So have your way in this time so that your people will receive your message in Jesus' name. So I want everyone to go and turn into Matthew 28, 18, 20. I'm going to ask for some of you to participate. So I'm going to tell you in advance what are some of the scriptures we're going to be looking for. The main scriptures today are going to be in Acts 14 and 17. For any of you who who want to participate, you know, you could do that by advancing yourself, and then I'll let you know when to read, okay? But now... Matthew 28:18. Then Jesus came to them. You don't have to worry. Don't worry about that. They have their Bible. Then Jesus came to them and said, "Authority in heaven. Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of age. So clearly, God is calling us. Jesus commands us. We're all to go out and make disciples. Not only... To, to make sure that people are safe, but also to teach them on how um, to work in his, to, to, to live in his ways. I want to start with the definition of evangelism. Definition, of, and I'm sure you guys have heard all kinds of definitions, but this is just a reminder. is the preaching of the Christian gospel or the practice of relaying information about a particular set of beliefs to others with the object of conversion, the winning or revival of a personal commitment to Christ. That's what it is. It's very simple. And when we look at um, 2 Timothy 4.5, the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy, a young believer and follower, as for you, always be sober-minded, Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfilling your ministry. So this is very clear that we are, these are the, 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 the instructions, very simple, that we are also to follow. Next. But now we go into Genesis. And in this one, I really need you to be paying attention. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. 
And there was evening and there was morning. And that was the first day. Now, many times we take this for granted. Now, I want you to put this like, like a bookmark because this is going to be your tool. When I was um, a young believer, actually, I always loved God. God had always called me um, to himself. But I really became independent in autonomy when I was a teenager. And I used to love him so much that I wanted to know the truth because I was confused. I believed in Jesus Christ. I believed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the cross. The message of the cross, I believed that that was real for me. What was not real for me was the message of the Garden of Eden. That was like a fantasy. How can there be two perfect people, right, in this beautiful garden that I don't see? I don't see it. I never saw it, right? There's this apple. <laughs> that messes up the whole story. To me, that was like a fantasy. And there was always this question about how do the two match? A fantasy and the truth. So if Adam and Eve is for real, and there is a garden, and God had this perfect place, where is it? Where is it? Well, that became very confusing to me. So the, the Old Testament didn't make much sense. And I would like to consider myself a... I was always a learned kind of person. You know, want, like, like to learn. You know, I wasn't smart. I was bright. I wasn't smart. That's a big difference. I was bright. And I was always hungry. But that really confused me. And the more I went to school to try to figure it out, the more confusing it became. The more I went to church, the more confusing it became. Because I will walk into the service and they will be talking about Abraham or, or talking about, you know, Sarah or talking about Isaac. And who are these people? I know Jesus. I know what he went through. But who are these people and how is that connected? It just messed up with my head. But I was still obedient. I love God. So I would come. I love the music. I would come to the service. And this was even as a young person, as I became adult. I started to learn some pieces of the word, but I could not see the whole picture. So it takes longer when you don't understand to receive. And if we don't receive, as believers, we know we don't get. So, I don't get my healing. I don't get my praise on. I don't get my, you know, all that stuff in abundance that the Bible speaks. So, is that a fantasy too? Because if Adam and Eve is a fantasy and it's in the Bible, then is that also a fantasy too? That I would get blessed in abundance? confusing and as I progress in my years even as an adult it was still confusing then I couldn't understand every time I read the Bible this was I started as a Catholic I didn't become born again until 15 years ago 
So I didn't understand that you needed the Spirit to speak to you when you read this. I didn't understand that. This is why this message is important. Because too often what we're doing is that we're going out there and we're speaking to people. Genuinely speaking to people, having the desire to tell them all the goodness and greatness that God has done in our lives. But there is a foundation that they have that we're not aware of. It's either a fantasy foundation that they have or they have none. So this stuff that we're giving them just, just dropping in, 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 in bad soil. And, and, and some of us, and we'll go over it, what the Bible says about planting seeds in bad soil. And then we wonder why we'll do all of these efforts to go out there and we only get maybe, we're lucky, God touches one person. So we want to revisit the way we're doing business here, right? Um, next. It continues on saying, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, man and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we, from the beginning, we're being told. What we're supposed to do next, please. When people reject the God of creation, this necessarily affects how they view themselves, others, the world in which they live, and therefore how they should act in this world. So not understanding, even myself, I will go to church every Sunday but I was limited to how much I will serve. I was in the choir. I taught Sunday school for little children. I was active, but I still didn't get the message of the gospel. Didn't get the message because there was still fantasy in my mind. Next slide. So why is the gospel so often falling in deaf ears? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, people are usually fixated on their own needs, their own wants, their wishes and their hopes, desperate hopes at that. Their intuition, their interests. There's a lot of distraction. They have their own expectations. Everything is about them. Consuming fear. Impatient urges. And some people believe in the teaching of evolution. And like me, they're just confused. <laughs> they're just confused. So let's look at the teaching of evolution. 
which has undeniably become a major reason why millions of, new, of, of now unreceptive people to the gospel of Christ. Generations have been deceived into believing that Genesis is inaccurate, a fantasy. Evolutionary, evolutionary thought is to, is to firmly detach many views of Christianity and attempt to disbelieve. This is the reason. This is how they think. They reason with this. How can anyone possibly believe the Bible when it says that God created Adam and Eve and he and we not and we know that this is not true? Evolution is a proven fact science. At least there's evidence. Not not evolution is not a science. It's a theory. So those of us that did not know that, today you're leaving with new information. So you're not leaving the same way you came in. Evolution is a theory. It's not scientific. But such naysayers are convinced that Christianity is unscientific, outdated, false and irrelevant for them science has proven that there is no need for god and that all is explainable by natural means i don't know about you but if you look at your cute body your two hands functioning hands legs and the way things just by looking at the beauty of children and the sky and the trees. I don't know. I, I don't know, but that don't look like chance to me. That's right. <laughs> that does not look like chance to me. So they ignore the creator who loves them. And it is really sad because there's a lot of people who are living lives without hope because everything is by chance. Thus, much of our world has become highly circular and ungodly, lacking all knowledge of God. It is not uncommon to find, even in public schools, students who are ignorant and unreached. They, they, they don't even understand what the message of the, of the gospel is or the cross. This is shocking, but only true. Despite great expenditures of money on evangelism and time and energy we still come up short with maybe one or two people that come to saving grace of the lord next slide so what's happening with today's society that's causing that now this is important and i took a lot of time to really think about this because we are responsible for going into this community and we can't just go into this community the way we went into the community in 116th Street. We can't go into this community the way we would in Brooklyn or in Queens. Heck, we can't even go into this community in the way we go into it in other parts of the Bronx. 
So what are we learning about today's society? We know that there is an increase of homosexuality, alternative sexual lifestyle, because I don't even want to just point to homosexuality. I mean, people are just doing crazy stuff out there. Alternative, all kinds, okay? Um, they support abortion on demand. There's a disobedience to those in authority, people who do not want to work. Do you know that there's a lot of jobs out there and people just don't want to work? I'm not just talking. I run a school, a middle to a high school in Washington Heights, and I have a lot of jobs. They're part-time. Some of them get into full-time. You've heard some testimonies here. People don't want to work. Pornography, abandonment of marriage. Not telling you anything that you don't already know. Modest clothing. We, we walk into places, you know, wearing modest clothing, including the church. Sometimes we walk in here like if we're going to a party. I see it. And, you know, I don't, I don't judge people because they just don't know. And these are things that are our responsibility to disciple people about. Parents don't automatically send people, the children to church programs. Years ago, when I was growing up, even if my parents didn't go to church, we were sent to church. The only activity that my mother allowed us to go to was church activities. We would not go on school trips. We would not go out with any family member to the, to the, to the zoo or anywhere, not even my titis. But we did go on church activities. That was the only thing that my mother trusted. Nowadays, we don't even do that. Not even church folks do that. We got too much going on. Like, you know, we have to wash the clothes and clean the house on Saturdays and cook for the rest of the week. We got to go do our nails and our hair. We ain't got time for that. And to take the kids and send them to, to, to the programs, that means we have to take them and then go pick them up. Too bother. Too much bother. That's the attitude that we got. I'm sorry for those of you who hear me speak for the first time. God usually calls me to bring up consciousness. Education systems no longer consider Christians. Did you know that the foundation of our education system, especially the universities, were founded on Christian principles? We can't even pray. We can't even carry a Bible around them. Amazing. Amazing. Clearly, there is something wrong. There is definitely something wrong. What has occurred in our society to bring about such change? Why is it that many people today just near when we talk about Christ? You know, they actually like go, mm. Then she goes again, talking about Jesus. Um, I don't want to be disrespectful, but, you know, I got to go. Yes, sister, God bless you. Got to go. Yeah, people do that. I can tell in their faces. 
And the Spirit shows me too. It wasn't long ago when creationism was the basis of our society. A creation-based means there are absolutes. If you accepted a belief in God as a creator, you then accepted that there were laws and he was our great lawmaker. Even people who did not believe in God respected authority and respected the laws and the principles. He is the absolute authority, and we are under total obligation to him. He was the one that created us. Who we think we are? We think we're the boss of us. Laws are not a matter of our opinion, but rules given by one who has the right to impose them upon us for, the, for our own good and for his own glory. So it's not like, it's like most of you who are parents, you want the best for your children, right? So it's not that you don't want them to do certain things. It's just that you want the best for them. You want them to be safe. You want them to, to have the best education. You, you want them to have a great life. But it's no different the way God wants that for us. So you as a parent will impose certain principles and boundaries for your children. And God has to do the same thing for us because we're, you know, sometimes a little, you know, risky. Risky, dairy, testy. Kids like to test us. We like to test God. It used to be that creationism was taught through the school system. People weren't Christians by and large still respected and obey the laws based upon the principles of the Bible. An alternative sexual lifestyle was against the law. Abortion is most instant was considered a murder. What happened to that? What happened? Next slide, please. What has occurred to our society has a name. Has a name. And there is somebody responsible. Charles Darwin. Bendito, he suffered a lot at the end of his time. You know that his wife was a believer? She loved God. She loved Jesus, really. And he was tormented because he was, he was discovering these things, you know, that, that the enemy was showing him. And, and he brought around this consciousness of evolution as a theory that he couldn't even prove. And it's just changed society completely. Imagine being that lonely. So he took this theory, you know, it's just like... One day we, we will wake up and, and think about, hmm, what if maybe, you know, gravity didn't have all that kind of power that when, you know, I hold something up, it drops. Maybe there's another theory. 
and you come up with this theory, this idea. Uh, maybe, you know, gravity has some forces in between, and I'm going to announce that. <laughs> and you will so happen to have, okay, you know, some people who follow you, some followers. You probably have a doctor's degree or a master's degree. So people, you'll probably come from Yale or some one of those universities that are really known and or family that has money. So people, so anything that you say, people are just like listening and believing you. Charles Darwin said, you know, evolution. This is the way life was created. What a theory. Yeah, look. Particles and cells, they come, um, what is it, molecules come together. It makes a lot of sense. So he broadcasts it as science. And, you know, honestly, since I've been in the field of education for a very long time, I know I may not look it, but (laughs) people don't read. People don't read. People don't go right now and test my theory right now. They would like to. They may like to, but there's no time. People don't read. So if he broadcasted that this is science and it was maybe planted in in, in the headlines of that time, in the newspaper, in in, in TV, in the news, then it is science. And we believe it. But it's not science. The belief system of the world without God started to give people a rationale as to why it is, what they, they, why it made sense to do you. Ha oh, ha, I got an opportunity now. I could do me because there's no God. And if there is no God, there is no law. And if there is no law, then I can do me. There ain't nothing wrong with me doing me. I'm a nice person. You know, I, I give to charity. I go to work every day. I raise up my children on how to say thank you and excuse me. So, only God, I can do me. So you are not obligated to anyone. Next slide, please. If evolution is true and there is no God who is a creator, then why are there laws? Why are there laws about marriage? I'm thinking married. Why are there laws against abortion? Too many people in uh, society anyway. (laughs) People think that way. I've been around. Laws against alternative sexual lifestyle. It's my body. I could do whatever I want with my body. Because the only absolute that there is is that there is none. Nothing is absolute. Everything is relative. And this is what we're teaching our kids. This is what the colleges are teaching kids. Even in Catholic school. Even in private school. Yes! Sister Gail, yes! 
One of our children is in Catholic school, and that's what they're teaching them. My goddaughter, who we raised as a Christian for many years, finally went and got an aha moment when she went to her first year in college at Fordham University. Everything is relative. I lost that child. I lost that child. Because everything is relative. I couldn't do me. Next, please. So here we have systems of faith. This is what we are challenged with. This is what we're challenged with when we go out there to evangelize. So, to evangelize. so it's not just going out there and speaking about the good news. It's that we have to have a strategy. Because creation basis, which is absolute, which is the faith in God, is now being attacked and challenged by the faith on man, which is the evolution basis which says anything goes. Next, please. What happens when society rejects the basis of creation? You have individual and collective sinful natures will be expressed. So I could do whatever I want to. We abandon Christian ethics. We increase in such things as lawlessness, right? Eso mismo. Alternative sexuality, so, you know, we could go and explore it. Pornography, there's nothing wrong with a little peeking. Abortion, etc., etc. Next, please. What's the bottom line? The bottom line is creation versus evolution. Because this is what's happening. If people in their minds believe that there is no creator and we're just by chance, then we could do whatever it is that we want to. So when I come to talk to you about Jesus Christ and the message of the cross, that's too confusing. Hmm. I don't understand because there are no laws. There shouldn't be no laws. Nothing is absolute. And you know what? I respect what you believe. Let me do me. Because I have faith in moi. <laughs> Next. Again, we go back to this one. Now it looks a little bit more, it has a little bit more meaning, right? When people reject the God of creation... This necessarily affects how they view themselves, how they view other people, and, and, and the world in which they live and how they act in that world. Next. We have an answer. Because God is so good. He thinks of everything. Everything. So now let, let's look for act. Let's go to act. Acts 14. Do I have a volunteer? Remember, I gave you a heads up about that. Go ahead, Minister Tony. 14, 15 through 17.
Amen. Amen. Um, hold on a second. I want to bring your attention. There's a reason why I, I, I highlight it. I highlight it. Living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. What does that sound like to you? At the beginning. He has shown kindness. What does that speak about? God's character. And you got to be real if you got character. By giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. What does that imply? It implies that they did not have it. If, if, if it's so important that it has to be noted, right, that it implies that they did not have that. So they had to get it from somewhere. So God is also a provider. But this is what's important about this, and this is the tool for you, for us. In order for us to speak to folks out there, we need to know what they don't have. So we can speak on it as God the provider. That's evidence. You got it. I mean, he's saying to them, look, you got kindness. It's being given to you and it's raining down from heaven. This doesn't happen by chance. Grace, thank you. Um, you, you, you have food. Your heart is filled with joy. This doesn't happen by chance. Give me the next slide, please. Let's continue. Acts 17. Who has 17, 22, 23? <laughs> <laughs> Louder, Mama. So what do we see here? Now he goes to another community. This is Paul on his mission trips. Right. And, and Paul did many mission trips. And in every mission trip, he learned something. Because people kept on, you know, loving the message, grabbing and receiving the message. But there were always these folks that did not. And they were from both communities, the Jews and the Greeks or the pagans. As they were known, if they weren't specifically um, 
um, Greek. But, but the point here is that he was learning how to send out the message. And in this particular community, he saw something that they believed in. They believed in a God, in something, but they just didn't know who he was. So we can't just go out there. We have to go out there and we have to read whatever it is that they have or believe in and find that way to give the message. Next slide, please. Acts 24. And this one is 24 to 26. Uh, Acts 17, sorry, 24 to 26. Thank you, Mama. Who's next? We're in class. You'll be tested. Yeah, keep on. So here we see it again. He's actually giving them the information about who God is and how powerful God is because nobody else is the boss of God. That's what he's demonstrating here. He's the one who holds everything in his hands. No human hands has anything to do with what God can do. So he's speaking to them about how great God is. He's also speaking to them about the boundaries and the history of time that God still has control over that stuff. Next one. Jesse? 17, 27 to 28. So you notice here he makes reference to some of his power, uh, some of their poets. So these are the Greeks who they're very poetic. They love music. They love poems. They love all that. But he knows the people and he's speaking to them about themselves. Next slide, please. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. By the man he has appointed. Who? Jesus. Now he speaks about the cross. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Evidence. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, 
But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. This is the same thing that happens to us over here. So he speaks about the beginning. He sets out the, 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 the framework that God is the creator. And he created us in his image. And he is the boss of us. But he loves us so much that he only wants the best for us. So he provides for us our needs, whatever those needs are. But he's specific to what that community needed. And then he says, there is evidence about this. He proved that through the raising of his son. So he draws attention to curiosity, right? And now he's ready to speak about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Does this make sense to you guys? Amen. Praise God. Next. Now, before I go to this one, I just want to clear some things because I don't want anybody confused. Why preaching to the Jews was different than preaching to the Greeks. The method was different from that used for the Jews because the Jews already had a foundation. They had been studying the history of Genesis and the Old Testament. They were familiar with the nature of God and his authority. The foundation of the gospel were already established for them. But the Greeks, the pagan, knew almost nothing about the foundation. Such important keys um, to understand was the message of the gospel, and they didn't, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. Being a well-educated, he deserved, this is Apostle Paul. Those of you who know Apostle Paul, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. That's most of the New Testament, if you do the math. An intelligent man. He was, he was, he, 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 he was taught by the best teachers. He, he hung out with the priests and he hung out with the Jews and he also was a citizen of Rome. So he had connections in communities. He, his discernment showed him that he, in order for him to touch the people with the message, the good message, he had to know their background. This difference had a remarkable effect on how individuals first received the preaching of Christ's death and resurrection. When Paul went to the Greek, he didn't start by preaching about Jesus Christ and the cross, but by telling them about the true God who is the creator, and from there went on the rest of the gospel. The Greeks basically believed in a form of evolution. They thought that both the gods and men evolved. Paul took note of their beliefs and their ignorance. 
to establish a basis for the cross. He knew that he had eliminated their incorrect foundation beliefs and replaced them with the right foundation, creation. He also read in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, we also read that the preaching of the cross was foolish to Gentiles and stumbling blocks to some Jews. How many times don't we or our own people feel that way? We think about this carefully. We can understand why Paul needed to approach the Greeks with the basis of creation. The Greeks not believing in God as a creator, but in some of the evolution instead, had the wrong basis and therefore the wrong framework of thinking about the world. Therefore, to them, the preaching of the cross was foolish. What can we do now? We have to open our eyes to the fact that our society, which used to be similar to that of the Jews, remember when we used to go to church, our kids were sent to programs, we, we obeyed laws and rules, even if we were not believers or even if we're not even religious. Remember back then? We were like the Jews. But now we're like the Greeks. In the past, the creation basis of a foundation to society, this enabled the, 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 the message of Jesus Christ to be effective for us. But Christian philosophy has deteriorated away and been replaced by evolution framework. In today's world, before we can effectively proclaim the message of Christ, we must reestablish the creation basis on which the rest of the gospel can actually now build on. We should rethink the method relevant and in the circles of Christianity. And so when we look at the message of the soul, the sower and the seed, think about Christ's parable when, when he tells that the seed fell on rocky and thorny ground it could not grow it could flourish only when it would fell on proper and prepared soil the sea represents the message of the cross we Christians are to be sowers and ensure that we prepare the soil what can we do we are called to restore the foundation of the gospel in our society. We have to recognize that. We have to believe that. Even if we're doing it one-on-one -on -one, or we're doing it as a group. We must establish the creation basis on which the, the rest of the gospel must be built. We have to rethink the method prevalent to the Christian circle of teaching only the New Testament on believers. So we have to start with Genesis and be doing it together so that there could be a combination and no room for questioning if it's fantasy or if it's truth. We can start teaching Genesis, especially the first 11 chapters. The next one. 
And when we witness, know your audience. What do they, wh- where do they live? What are their beliefs and values? What are their needs? Let's meet them where they're at, not where we would like them to be. Without judgment. I know. I'm one of them. (laughs) Meet them. Oh, start the message with the creation message. Follow with the message of the cross. Next. And then let's go back to the beginning, right? God looked at everything he made. It was so good. It was very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, and it was the sixth day. What, do you do? what did he do on the seventh? He rested. And that's the message of creation. Thank you so much, guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you that nothing for you is out of chance. That everything is thought out perfectly. Every cell in our body, every organ, the way you made us beautifully, in your image. Heavenly Father, we we thank you that that we are in process and that you consider all things in that process. You consider where we are at. You don't expect us to meet you where you're at. You meet us where we're at. So you start the message of the cross with us individually, Lord. We thank you for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that right now, even as we speak to you, Lord God, you're making us. We thank you for this message, Lord God, that it wasn't only a message of of understanding, Heavenly Father, but it was a message of bringing us back to the reality that you are the creator. That you are in control of everything. The Heavenly Father, even those things that that you didn't intend for us to get involved in, Heavenly Father, you have allowed it because your word says that you even allow it so that you can be glorified. Heavenly Father, thank you for making me. Thank you for making us, Lord God. Thank you for the desert because in the desert is where we become strong, and it's where you meet us. You're with us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, we ask right now that as you are processing us and developing and evolving us individually and as a corporate 
um, um, entity, Heavenly Father, that you're preparing the hearts of your people in the community right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that from the beginning of time, you have been calling them unto yourself and planting seeds in different areas, Lord God. But the enemy wants to snap them from your hands, Lord God, and that's why you have called us into this place, Lord God. But I thank you because the seed has already been planted by you, Lord God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we command any spirit that is holding those hearts, capture to release them right now in the name of Jesus. We bind depression in this community in the name of Jesus. We bind oppression in this community right now in the name of Jesus. We come against the worldview thinking of evolution in this community right now in the name of Jesus. And we bring forth, Heavenly Father, the understanding that there is a creator. That there is a creator that loves us and brings hope into our lives, Lord God. Heavenly Father, it may not be the time right now, Lord, because you're the one that has the perfect time in your hand. But we ask, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that we should have our eyes open for the time of launching, the time of action, and prepare our hearts to be a willing heart, that intentions are no longer enough. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're preparing all of our hearts together, Lord God. Thank you for your message, Lord God. Because you, would, you see all things to completion. And right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I ask for special blessings and anointing over every member in this place, Lord God, and their extended family right now in the name of of Jesus, that whatever they may be going through right now, Lord God, you will reassure them that you have it under control, and I declare peace over their hearts right now in the name of Jesus. I come against any anxiety in the house right now in the name of Jesus. come against anxiety. I come against division right now in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I call on your divine power and divine spirit of unity in this place and in their families in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your restoration, Lord God, in these relationships right now in the name of Jesus. And we send forth your people and release them, Lord God, in peace wherever they're going, knowing that you are our creator our Father, our Divine Counselor, our Healer, Lord God, and that you have all under control. Thank you, Lord God. Have us be a blessing this week to, to many, Lord God, and that we will not forget this message and give us opportunities to practice it. Send us those people. Send us your people. I thank you, Lord God, personally for the honor that you've given me to release this message, Lord God. I pray that I have not disappointed you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you and I love you. And all of these people said, Amen. Amen.